Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Shout out to any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. So welcome into another Bastards Roundtable episode. We'll be talking some Red Sox front office moves today as the offseason quickly approaches. I'm your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to find us on Twitter, you can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining me on the roundtable tonight from Reading, Pennsylvania, is Micah Storms. Micah, how are we doing? I'm doing well, Jason. I am just so ready for the season to end and for them to make a decision on who's going to be calling the shots and for the next wave of Boston baseball to start up. I'm, I'm ready. This has been a painful couple weeks here. Yeah, a new era is on the way, and uh, we certainly can't wait for it to start. Also with us on the roundtable tonight from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how are you? Doing good. It's, uh, you know, it's an interesting time uh, being kind of in limbo here, um, not really knowing who is going to be the ultimate uh, decision maker here in the Red Sox front office. But, uh, but like I keep saying, you know, we're going to have playoff baseball to distract us for a little while and, uh, and then we'll, we'll know. Yeah, luckily, the MLB postseason for real baseball fans is still always fun, even if your team is out of it. So we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on that. And as we stand right now, the Red Sox are heading into their final series of the season. Um, obviously, will not be in the playoffs. And um, a lot of questions about how the offseason will go. Obviously, they are still searching for their new general manager slash chief baseball officer, whatever they want to label him as. Um, whoever that's going to be. But we did hear a little nugget today from uh, manager Alex Cora, who basically told the media today, I'm good, I'll be back. Those were his exact words. Uh, he didn't say specifically, I'll be back as manager, but let's just assume that's what he's going to be because you know that nothing else has been stated to this point from either him or Sam Kennedy or anyone else. Um, but... We're assuming that Cora will be back as manager. On our last show, we speculated that hopefully Dave Bush, pitching coach, will no longer be here. Um, Carlos Fablis, I think his future might be up in the air given how bad the defense was this year and given that he's the one in charge of it. Um, so there's a lot of moving pieces that still have to happen, but the big one is there's a CBO that needs to be put in place. And then I'm assuming all the dominoes from there will fall afterwards, but um, there's still a lot of moving parts. So, Micah, I'll start with you, with Cora basically announcing today that he's going to be back as manager. How do you see the offseason shaping up? Do you think that the new CBO coming in is already, they've already identified someone that wants Cora, or do you think there's other, you know, shifting around of positions that could happen as we head into the winter? It's it's interesting that Cora only has one more year on his deal um, because it'd be easy to say we're going to part ways or we're going to extend you and they're basically just naming him the 
manager of the future, but they're basically as of right now, they're going to let it run out essentially next year with him on play, uh, managing for a contract, but the new GM could come in and it could be one year of core. And then he's looking for a manager. It just seems, um, I don't know. I feel like it would be better to see if the general manager wants to have Alex core as his manager. I just feel like it's better when you bring somebody in who has a, a, a way of doing things or a philosophy and the manager kind of agrees with that philosophy because I, I don't think, um, and there was a report that came out today that um, there were people around Bloom that didn't feel that Cora really was, you know, all on board with what Bloom was doing. Um, and I feel like a lot of people kind of sense that, that they just didn't quite see eye to eye. And I just, if you keep Cora and you bring in somebody else that, you know, doesn't want Cora as the manager or doesn't agree with his idea of analytics, I just, it's not going to work. Um, so I, I just don't know to rush into that. I don't know, but, uh, I, I, I would be shocked if Cora manages next year without an extension or without some type of guarantee that he's going to transition into the front office. I think the Red Sox are going to commit to him in one way or another. I really do believe that by the time uh, 2024 starts, I think we will know more about Cora's future with this organization. That's just my prediction for the offseason. Um, but it, it's interesting. It really is. But uh, who they pick for the the GM slash CBO, I don't know. I there's a part of me that wonders: Are they going to stay in house because they already, you know, they they're bringing Cora back? So if if they stay in house, it'd be you know, oh well, they've been working on this for a while. But if they go outside the organization, I don't think there's any way that they would have been able to communicate. Yeah, we want Cora back. Terry, what do you think? Well, I still think they're going to the the new CBO will be an external candidate, I I feel like, but I don't I don't like the idea of bringing Cora back if if you're kind of hitting the reset button with the front office. And I don't think it's fair to the incoming executive to have to have a holdover manager that's going to be more popular than him. Uh, uh, no, no GM CBO wants that. And it, it can cause, it, it can cause a little bit of tension. Uh, I saw the report too about uh, Bloom and Cora, not really um, seeing eye to eye, but I don't think it was toxic. Cause I saw another report that, said the night before Bloom was fired, he was talking to Cora about the offseason and what the plans were. So I don't think it... We, we've seen in other organizations, you know, the tug of war between the general manager and the manager. Uh, a real notable one would be in Anaheim between Jerry Depoto and Mike Sosha. And Depoto quit as a result of that. Another famous one, uh, I think, was in the early 2000s, Steve Phillips, the Mets GM, versus Bobby Valentine. Now, Valentine's probably, you know, an easy guy to get into a fight with, but but there was never any public 
you know, tension, you know, there could have been behind the scenes, but it, it never got to the public. Um, and I just feel like, I think Cora's kind of run his course. Is he the worst manager? No. Is he the best manager? Also? No. I already know I'm going to be frustrated with his lineups half the time next year. Um, you know, giving guys a day off before an off day, a scheduled, you know, team off day. I just don't like it. I mean, the Red Sox have been the most well-rested last place team in the history of Major League Baseball, you know? So uh, I, I just feel like, you know, we should move on. They should completely hit the reset button and start anew. Uh, that's that's what I would do. And then let's say the Red Sox, let's say we're we're decent next year. We're not winning the division, but it looks like we're a wild card team. And let's say we're a little bit flawed. Like we'll get into the postseason, but there's an aspect of our team that probably will keep us from from going deep. So at that point, what do you do with Cora? It's hard to fire him because he got us back into the playoffs. It's just it's just an awkward spot. So do you have to give him an extension based on that, even if you don't want to? I would just, like I said, just cut the cord, thank him for his service. And, you know, he's going to have a future in baseball regardless. You're not ending his career by cutting ties with him. Yeah, the Alex Cora situation is very complicated to me because, you know, we did a we, we sent out a tweet basically of all our hosts asking, okay, do we want Cora back for 2024? And all of us except for Terry and Charlie said yes. Um, and even when I said yes, it was like a it was sort of a hesitant, like, eh, yeah, okay. Because I do believe in the theory of the grass isn't always greener, right? Like, okay, if you're sick of Alex Cora, I get it. There's reasons to be sick of Alex Cora. His lineup decisions are questionable. Some of his in-game decisions, particularly how he handles the bullpen, are questionable. Um, resting guys when he doesn't need to rest them is questionable. But then I look at, like, the Angels who hire Phil Nevin, and I go, oof, okay, yeah, I, I don't want the Red Sox doing that. Like, I'd rather have Alex Cora than a moron like Phil Nevin. So it's it's a little bit touch and go with Cora in terms of how I feel about him as a manager. And um, him saying that he'll be back next year, and he even addressed the lame duck situation of him not having an extension in hand and going into, you know, the final year of his deal. And he sort of said, well, I don't I don't think of it that way. I think of it as... I'm hired to do a job and I've got to go do that job. I don't care about the fact that it's a lame duck season. I've just got to go do it. It kind of signals to me that Alex Cora himself is viewing his managerial days as like year to year. Cause I think that he's even sort of looking beyond, you know, managerial status and sort of looking at, okay, when can I move to a different position where I'm not managing 162 games, but I'm in a front office and, I have more time with the family and stuff like that because he, you know, we've heard rumors of that in the past that Cora doesn't want to manage into his sixties and seventies. He doesn't want to be, you know, Tony LaRusso. He doesn't want to be Lou Pinella. He wants to manage for a little bit and then eventually move to a more comfortable position so that he can still work, but kind of enjoy his personal life. So I wonder if he's already kind of there and he's sort of saying, all right, you know, I am in my, and myself didn't get along. Let's see who you guys bring in. 
if it gets better, yeah, maybe I'm open to an extension, a two to three year extension. If it doesn't get better, maybe I just move on and I do something else. And that kind of worries me. I, and, you know, Terry, you make a good point that like the manager doesn't typically stay on for a new CBO and a new regime to come in. Usually the new regime says, yeah, we don't want this guy. Get rid of him. We're, we're going to bring in our own guy. So it is a little weird in that aspect. And that's also why I, I like I worry about Dave Bush's status. Is Dave Bush a Cora guy? Because if so, is Cora going to campaign to keep him on for another year with the new CBO? Or is the new CBO going to come in and say, no, 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 you, you, you can stay on, but I'm picking your staff. It, it just, the whole thing screams of kind of a weird dynamic. And, um, you know, we can get into this a little bit. There was the Craig Breslow rumors, you know, a, a week or two weeks ago that, you know, Craig Breslow currently with the Cubs, he's been their pitching director for a couple of years now. He was rumored to be in talks or, or a potential target for the Red Sox, not as GM necessarily, but as someone who runs their pitching program. So they're already thinking about a new guy to run their pitching program. They've yet to find a CBO. And you have Alex Cora sitting here saying, I'm going to be the manager next year. I'm coming back. So it, it just makes me wonder where, like, where are they in their decision-making? You know, in terms of, have they fully settled on, yep, Core is the manager, yep, he gets to pick his staff, and we'll pick the other guys? Or is it a collaborative effort with Alex Core where they're meeting with him saying, okay, we want you to be the manager, but we also want you to be involved in the search for the new GM, the new pitching director, what have you? Because I, I find that to be a very weird dynamic if that's the case. And a lot of people have said they don't want Cora back because they already feel like he has too much pull in the front office. I'm starting to wonder if that's right, that maybe he he has the ownership's ear a little bit too much because, again, we we all were pretty satisfied when, when Bloom was fired. Um, I, you know, again, I, I said it on the last show, but I feel like he was good in terms of building up your farm system. He's not the guy to take you over the top. So hopefully the next guy will. But – is Cora involved in picking that next guy? Because that would worry me a little bit. I don't know if Alex Cora is fully there in terms of his aptitude in picking, you know, a CBO or a GM. Um, so I, that that's one part that kind of concerns me a little bit about this whole process is it seems like Cora is cemented in and they're going to build around him, which I just find a little bit odd. I don't know about you guys, but that, that, that to me seems a little bit weird. Well, with... The Cora front office dynamic, it seemed like coming into September, Cora had no idea what his status was. And he'd been ejected a couple of times. And, uh, you know, both games were in close proximity to each other. He referenced a conversation with Rafi Devers. Devers had one or two errors one game. And Cora talked to him after and said, look, I don't know how much longer I'll be here, but for as long as I am, you're going to be my third baseman still. So, and then, so he, the, the, he just seemed really stressed out. He'd be barking at the umpires from the dugout on balls and strikes. And so I don't think, I don't think he was communicating with ownership a ton at that point. 
And I did notice it was literally two or the two or three days leading up to Bloom's firing that Cora seemed a little bit more at ease. And I think he might have been given a heads up, like, don't worry about next year. We'll, we'll figure something out. And so, and then a couple of days later, Bloom got fired. And Cora also was on the, the, I forget what it's called. It's the podcast with John Heyman and Joel Sherman. And he kind of hinted that he would be back. And that was also a couple of days before Bloom was fired. So I just... I'm not I'm just not a fan of it. I'm not comfortable with it and I I don't think the manager should ever have more influence than the um you know the the top executive. On the flip side of the coin, I will say one thing and it's the only thing that is keeping me from being absolutely dead set against Core coming back. A popular candidate amongst us to take over as the CBO is Brandon Gomes, who comes from the Dodgers organization. I forget what his exact title is. He sounds like he's the number two guy behind Friedman and he oversees player development, which is a very important thing with the Red Sox, especially with pitching. We need to be better at that. But the the one thing about the Dodgers is Dave Roberts has been on record as basically saying, you know, no matter what happens out here, I'm just one vote in the decision making. So their front office and their manager, it's more of a committee. It's more of a collaborative front office. And I don't want that. I've never wanted that. I'm a little bit more old school and I want the manager to be 100% in in charge of the lineup card And, and who's coming out of the bullpen later on like I because I want to be able to hold the manager accountable for the in-game stuff as much as I want to hold the the GM solely accountable for what the roster looks like and if you bring if you bring Brandon Gomes over here I don't think he can tell Alex Cora hey we're gonna we're gonna be influencing the lineup card pretty heavily so that's the only thing I I like about it you know I want the manager to have all of the say as far as that goes. Um, And then you mentioned Craig Breslow. I mean, you've had a guy named Justin Steele emerge as a top of the rotation guy with the Cubs. Uh, They've pitched fairly well. They've, you know, Kyle Hendricks has had a bit of a resurgence this year, and he's been a big part of why they're in the playoff race when in June, I mean, they look dead in the water and then have really come on in the second half. Having said that still, I I still want the the incoming executive to make that decision. Brian O'Halloran's the number 2 right now. What why? <laughs> I mean, he had a front row seat to the Dombrowski era where they went and got exactly what they needed and then he had the same front row seat for the Bloom era when we never had what we needed. Like how smart is this guy? You know, like if he had a lot of influence, I I would think maybe things would have been a little bit better, but I don't want put him in a different position. Don't put him in a, you know, don't make him the number two. (laughs) This front office doesn't the the IQ isn't very high. So when and I, I think that's the same with Sam Kennedy as well. Um 
I, I, I might have misspoke there. The ownership IQ and Sam Kennedy's IQ, not very high. Not the guys I want filling key roles here. I, I want the, the incoming GM, CBO, he should be the smartest guy in the organization. And the smartest guys should be making those decisions, including the manager, by the way. And, and I, I think he should hire the manager who is the smartest guy when it comes to, you know, in-game decisions. And, and, and that guy should be filling out the lineup card, deciding what the plan is for, you know, late inning relief, mid to late inning relief. So I just don't like the way things are trending. <laughs> you know, I, I thought, I thought when Bloom got fired, it would be instant relief and, I've been, it's been a little bit uncomfortable. So. Yeah, I I agree with you. The O'Halloran promotion felt weird to me. I I don't know why they felt the need to do that. That seemed like a little bit off. And um, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Like ownership and Sam Kennedy, I don't have the biggest faith in. Um, So that, that part felt a little weird. And again, the whole process, it's like, I can't tell if they're trying to get all their ducks in a row or if they're just, you know, kind of zigzagging all over the place. Um, Micah, what, what do you think so far about how things have, have played out? So going off of the Breslow um, convert, like topic, um, he's a very, very intelligent man. Um, he took over in, uh, with the Cubs organization in 2019, and he was a director of pitching, and then always the assistant to the general manager. But in the five drafts since Breslow's been a part of the organization, he they've drafted three pitchers in the first round. So that that I'm not saying Breslow's the, the reason why, but like he's probably had a say in that in some of those moves. And you know, bringing Breslow in without a general manager or a CBO doesn't really bother me because you know Romero. And the guys who have been in the front office under Bloom, they've kind of seen the they, they, they should have some type of uh, formula and, and and development you know going on there where they can just continue the the systems that are in place to build the farm system. That really shouldn't change too much. Um, and you know uh, if you if you can keep drafting and developing players, but then add pitchers to that scenario. That's intriguing, and if Breslow could do that, I'm all for bringing him in now. And it doesn't really matter if a GM or CBO isn't in, isn't in place right now. Uh, maybe that's one less thing that you need to have a guy to come in and worry about. You know, the big league roster is a huge concern right away, and I think I'd rather see the the GM or CBO just focus on the big league roster, and maybe you know the assistant GM. Uh, Romero and then you know Breslow they do more of the farm system and player development part and then you know you just go off of that Um, I I do think it is interesting that they're considering making a move without a guy in place but if it means getting Breslow now or not getting him at all I mean that's a guy that I think I'm very intrigued in in, um, having him come back to the organization but in a in a front office position so let me tell you about a guy named James Click, okay? The Astros hired him 
I think it was coming into, wasn't it coming into 2022? I want to say it, maybe it was 2021, but like Bloom, Click came from the Tampa organization. And as 2022 rolled along, he was trying to make some moves at the deadline and Jim Crane, the Astros owner stepped on his toes and said, no, you can't trade him. And it was either Christian Javier or, uh, or That was the pitcher that would have been traded. And Jim Crane stepped in and said, no, absolutely not. And so, and they wanted to get a catcher. I forget who it was. Was it Contreras? Maybe. I think it was Wilson Contreras. That's who the they, yeah. that's who they wanted. And, um, but Jim Crane vetoed it. They ended up with Vasquez. There was a weird power struggle uh, between James Click, Dusty Baker on whether they would use Vasquez or Maldonado. Apparently the pitchers wanted Maldonado more. Um, so Vasquez didn't get to play when he was clearly the better offensive player. Even having a slight off year, he was going to play more runs than uh, Maldonado would, who barely hits above the Mendoza line. And I think he's been under it all year. So weird power struggle there. And then the Astros win the World Series. And then guess who essentially gets fired? He got, he was, it was James Click. He, the, he basically got fired. They gave, they gave him a low ball offer to, which ended up forcing him to quit. And then the owner started meddling in the day to day, um, you know, stuff, you know, all the roster decisions and the Astros, I'm trying to figure out where they are. They're on the cusp of not making the playoffs. They might, um, they might get in. So they hold the last wild card spot. So they're a game and a half behind Seattle or ahead of Seattle. So, you know, a game and a half is a lot to make up with only four games left. But, uh, and they're actually, I think they just wrapped that series unless it's a four gamer tomorrow, but it's never good when, when ownership starts meddling and then the top executive has less control over the decisions, uh, at least at the roster level. And, you know, we say Dave Dombrowski, he, I mean, it's almost unprecedented that, an executive get fired like Dombrowski did eight or nine months after winning a world series. And then you had click not come back after winning a world series. Like I said, I never want to see that in Boston. Nothing good comes out of that. Nothing good ever comes out of that. So I just, I want a traditional front office that handles the roster in a traditional way. Um, appoints all the consultants, the analytics guys, um, and you know, the, the guys in the minors, especially. And, and I want the manager, uh, you know, controlling the lineup card. I just can't stress that more. So, um, what's happening in Houston right now is, is terrible. And that's going to be the downfall. Look at the angels. Artie Moreno has screwed that team for, for year after year, for almost a couple of decades. I just, it's never good. It's never a good thing. No, and at the very least, whoever does come in here, I don't think they have to worry about ownership meddling too much because um, John Henry's usually on his yacht out in Alaska, not paying attention anyway. Um, You know, at the very least, the only thing the new guy coming in is going to want is 
John Henry's sign off to spend money, which he will because High and Bloom had that sign off. He just didn't do it or he didn't do it right. Um, to me, uh, still, I think the perfect scenario is you get both Gomes and Breslow. You get Gomes as the GM, Breslow as your head of pitching, Core as your manager. You figure it out from there. You know, those guys kind of figure out who the next pitching coach is going to be because that's where it all stems from. We need pitching. The Red Sox can always find hitters. They they have for years. Pitching has always been the the one sort of Achilles heel of the Red Sox franchise. And years that they don't compete, it's because their pitching is crap. They score runs all the time. They just need to develop a real pitching program, and they need to draft pitchers instead of just drafting 18 shortstops like Bloom did. Draft pitchers, develop them, and that's how you compete. That's why Baltimore is competing. That's why the Dodgers compete. That's why Houston is where they are. That's why why Atlanta is where they are. So to me, that's that's what I want. I want Gomes being the 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 main guy, the GM, CBO, whatever. But I want Bressel in here too. I want that combined brain power if they can do it. Um, now, maybe it's not plausible. Maybe Bressel is going to get a better offer somewhere else to be a higher position. But I think that's what this franchise needs. You know, if, if Cora is going to stay on as manager, that's fine. And I, I trust them to to hit, and I trust them to produce offense. But I want guys who can identify pitching, not just at the major league level, but the minor league level and in the draft as well. Because it's been too long since the Red Sox have really developed a pitcher. And yeah, Brian Bayo looks like the next guy, but we'll see. He had a crap second half, frankly. So, you know, it, let, let's hope that he's the guy. But... That's that's the dream scenario that I want. Whether or not it will happen, I don't know. But there's uh, there's a lot of decisions to be made for sure. So they're going to have a very busy offseason. And there's probably going to be more rumored names that will come out. Already it's like Brandon Gomes, Sam Fold, Craig Breslow. It's already a lot of names out there. There might be another one that gets floated here in the next couple of days. But they have a lot, a lot of work to do. Um, any final thoughts on this from anyone? That's about it. Well, with that, we will wrap up this roundtable. So, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Uh, thanks for sticking with us this year. Obviously, not what we hoped for with the Red Sox, but we're hoping for better things in the future, and we're hoping for a very exciting offseason. We'll be with you guys every step of the way as the Red Sox try to put this puzzle back together. So, until then, everyone, take care.